Some hope for Yuri Slavkovsky as he performs really well in this final preseason game and some quickfire NCAA opening night updates, including UND winning 10-0, uh, Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, and much, much more, all coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High, and we've got a packed episode for you today. We'll start off by talking about Yuri Slavkovsky's last performance against the Ottawa Senators, uh, which gave both of us a lot of hope regarding what his uh, potential could be and how he could continue to develop. Uh, we have a middle segment regarding James Malatesta of the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets system. We'll talk about that with Jay Forster of Locked On Blue Jackets coming up in our middle segment there and then we'll end things off with a quick fire ncaa um update on opening night und won 10 nothing Jaden perron scored three goals including a beauty we've got talk about uh, will smith ryan leonard jacob fowler cutter gochi lane hudson macklin celebrini it's a packed third segment make sure to stick around before we get into that, um, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use a promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's teams, terms of use for details. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. If you have any questions, leave them down there. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. So, Sebastian, let's get right into it with your Slavkovsky here. Um, the Montreal Canadiens have won, I believe, 6-4. Was it 7-4 something like that? 6-4, uh, yeah. Some interesting stuff in that game. Arbor Jack, I th- shot through the net somehow. Um, with a wrist what, shot? Yeah, no, it was, it was very <laughs> funny. Uh, but what really impressed me in that game is how Yaroslavkovsky really upped the ante. Um, I tweeted this out on Twitter, but Yaroslavkovsky impressed me more in the in the in the kind of two and a half periods that I saw from him heading into the third than he had impressed me throughout the entire year before that. The execution was amazing. The 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 small details that were done right in this game. He was scanning. He was keeping his head up. He was identifying his next play before he got the puck. Um, constantly making good defensive plays, getting back defensively, and aiding in transition. Making great pass offensively. I mean, how how did you see that game? You know how 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 does that kind of fare for Slavkovsky so far? Yeah, I mean, as you said, I think that he portrayed a lot of tools that and skills that he hasn't really shown since probably the 2022 world championships. And uh, I I thought that he played the game uh, with a pace, uh, both in terms of like foot speed and physical pace, but also mental pace in terms of processing and, and overall just his composure on the puck too. Mm -hmm. It was all really, really impressive. I thought he played an excellent, excellent game. And that line with new hook and Kirby duck worked tremendously well for all three players. I mean, I don't. I think it's kind of tough to find a line where Kirby Doc doesn't work and doesn't make the other <laughs> players better. Uh, but it certainly has been the case with Alex Newhook. I thought that that that, that Newhook looked his best the entire preseason while playing with Kirby Doc. And the same can be said with Yuri Sapkowski. I think that playing with players that are extremely skilled and do have uh, a a 
really intriguing set of tools to, to, to create dangerous opportunities at the NHL level is what he needs in order to progress those same things in his own game. I don't think that Slavkovsky is going to uh, develop at, at the rate that you want a first overall pick to develop if he's playing with guys like Yul Armi on the fourth line, like he was yeah. last year at some points, and mm-hmm. uh, playing with, with, with players that are as highly skilled and around the same age as he is, I think is a great fit. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, like he played a tremendous game, but which small details uh, specifically uh, really caught your eye beyond just the scanning and the pace? The use of spacing and transition was amazing. That's one thing that's really been a concern yeah. for me since his draft year is he constantly crowds the short side off the rush and he kind of makes it difficult for his teammates to, to play laterally and, and open up the ice um, in terms of width and transition. Um, oftentimes, let's say Kirby Doc's, you know, Kirby Doc would be skating up the right side. Uh, Slavkovsky would cut in front of him instead of taking the, wide, the, the width of the ice and kind of giving him a, a change of side option. Um, I saw a lot more use of spacing. I saw a lot more pacing as well, just kind of not mm-hmm. kind of rushing through transitions and kind of pacing himself in terms of the speed that he utilizes in transition to kind of hit the the, the, the neutral zone with just the right speed differential, with just right kind of timing. Um, that was something that was really impressive as well. And mo- most kind of noticeably, um, he was scanning constantly. When he got the puck, oftentimes he already knew what his next play was. And that was a major, yeah. major difference because that was a big concern as well in his, in his game, in his draft year, uh, and his draft plus one. Is, he's a player who, by virtue of his strength, by virtue of, of his frame, didn't really need to identify his next option as he was developing because it didn't matter what was going on. He was going to be able to outmuscle the player that was coming, coming to him and then had the time to figure out his next play. But that difference really mm-hmm. kind of showed in that game. and. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I don't know for you, but for me, this is the best game I've watched of Slavkovsky. And, you know, obviously he wasn't playing as the best co- competition. Like, you know, he was... No, he was it was not a strong Senators lineup there. Yeah, they, they put together a, a, a... I don't know how how else to call it, but just a, a lineup of, of fourth liners and, and grinders. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Konji Yamama. Um, a lot more than that. Uh, a lot of names escape me right now, but it's mainly a lineup of... of you know, physical guys who can battle, uh, which, you know, when you're facing Arbor Jack, I get kind of need. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it wasn't the best competition, but I think irrespective of the competition, what Slavkovsky was doing in a vacuum was just very, very impressive. And the small details that have improved in this game are really, really fun to, to kind of watch develop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, do, do you feel the same? Is this the, the, the best performance you've seen in Slavkovsky? Cause it definitely was for me. Definitely, like, in a Habs jersey. Like, I think if you're going back to the World Championships, you might see some games where he could take control of the pace of the entire game a bit more than he did in this contest. But uh, I thought that his playmaking and his passing game uh, were both real standouts in this contest. He, Mm -hmm. uh, both in terms of stretch passes from the defensive zone or neutral zone, but also within the offensive zone, I think he had a couple really, really nice cross-scene passes and... I, I thought he 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 really displayed why I projected him more as a playmaker at the NHL level than a goal scorer in his draft Absolutely. season. And this is the first I've kind of seen of like that identity in Slavkovsky since he's put on that Habs jersey. Mm-hmm. But obviously, it was just a preseason game, and as you said, the competition wasn't exactly that the strongest in the world. Like apart mm-hmm. from. I mean, probably Kubalik was the best player in that lineup, right? Like, it, it was not a very strong team. No, uh, exactly. But what would your argument be of, like, the... Like, like, 
why why is it still a valuable thing for us to talk about uh, in terms of a preseason mm-hmm. performance for Slavkovsky? Like, why why is this still so notable for us? It's the details. Um, it's the small things he did right. And, you know, if you were talking about just a, a good game where he scored a couple of goals but was still doing the exact same things he's been doing yeah. this draft year, we wouldn't be having this conversation. What really impressed the both of us, I think, is just the fact that there were progressions in exactly the areas that we wanted to see progress in Savkovsky's game. It was such a noticeable difference in his processing, his scanning, and especially... You know, you need those to be able to to pass at a high end level, and that's what's been missing from Zuzkowski's game in this draft year, and that's why people kind of see him as a, as a goal scorer is because his lack of processing, his lack of scanning in his in his draft plus one made his goal scoring pop a bit more because you don't need that as much to score goals. But Zuzkowski's yeah. passing ability, and when he when he finds it, when he when he sees the option, his playmaking ability, his ability to connect plays is so good that as soon as you incorporate what we saw in, in this last game, um, the, the the processing, the scanning, the pre-scanning, the ability to understand what's going on around you and know your next option before you get the puck, immediately we saw a drastic, drastic difference in, in Slavkovsky's playmaking ability. So that's why we both see him as more of a playmaker right now, right? It's just that as soon as he develops For that sure. scanning habit, it's, it's over. I mean, he's a playmaker through and through. Um, and yeah, no, this last game was just the differences were in the, the key and target areas that we wanted to see develop in Slavkovsky. And that's just so promising. So that gives, that yeah. gives a bit of hope for what we're, uh, what we're kind of looking forward to regarding Slavkovsky. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be fun to see him kind of develop this year and hopefully we see a lot more of that and a lot less of what we saw in his draft plus one, because that was, it, it, it was a bit of a concern. If not, not a bit of a concern for his first overall pick, it was a major concern. So yeah, that wraps things Certainly, up for yeah. our first. Yeah. So that wraps things up for our first segment. Um, now we're going to have a quick segment where we plug in um, a bit of talk with uh, Jay Force regarding James Malatesta of the, of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Make sure to stick it around to the end though, because we have a quick fire NCAA opening night update coming out. Um, and we're going to cover a lot of very interesting stuff. So um, this is all coming up on today's episode of Locked on NHL Prospects. The NHL season is finally here, and that's why I want to tell you about Sleeper. Sleeper is my go-to platform for daily fantasy sports, especially daily fantasy hockey. With Sleeper, you have the chance to win 100 times your cash on daily fantasy. The NHL has never been more exciting than it is today, as we cover on this podcast. There is so much skill in this league, ranging from Connor McDavid to Sidney Crosby to Kale McCarr and Connor Bedard. Simply select more or less based on their stats, such as goals, assists, points, saves, and more, uh, to create the strongest team that you possibly can. Yes, you heard me. Sleeper offers 100 times payouts, so start paying attention, make the right picks, and you could win big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Um, We talked a little bit earlier. I can't believe it. I can't remember if it was uh, on mic or off mic about the Blue Jackets getting good value in later round picks. Um, And so I want to talk about a guy that they took in the fifth round a couple of years ago. uh, And that's James Malatesta, who is fresh off an MVP, a playoff MVP, uh, playoff run, I guess, in in the QMJHL, is going to be in the AHL this season and uh, has kind of that Tasmanian devil style play that I feel like so many of the Blue Jackets prospects have. What can you tell us about 
James Malatesta and how you think his game is going to translate to uh, to the pro like pro leagues. He's an interesting prospect that I've kind of been watching on and off over the past couple of years. I think his progression over the last like two years has been really solid. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of his in his draft year. I thought he had a lot of lapses in his game. Um, the production wasn't as good either, obviously. And uh, overall, he he would look like like your typical work in progress cune JHL forward to me as a draft eligible. But since then, he's really been able to, I guess, uh, hopefully also in tandem with the Columbus development staff, pinpoint his own strengths and double down on those, which is what I would encourage a lot of those prospects that are drafted in like the later rounds to do is to find the things that, that, that they are really, really good at and to just keep working on those. Because in order to crack the NHL, you need to have a standout skill of some sort. Like if you are just your your average Swiss army knife that uh, can do a bit of everything at an okay level, you're probably gonna get stuck at the AHL level for good. And, and making that, that, that next step to the NHL can be tough because you have to stand out for something. And with Malatesta, he really realized that it is his speed, his wrist shot and his overall like forechecking ability that, that are kind of like, like the, the, the core tenets of his game that make him good and uh he's been working on those and developing those consistently in the last couple seasons which has been great to see so uh, his wrist shot is his primary method of uh, of offensive production uh it's it's stronger than his playmaking is uh he's doesn't have the, the hardest slap shot he's a little bit limited to his wrist shot but it's really quick he gets it off his stick uh really really fast and while it's not, not the most powerful shot in the world he's fairly accurate and he gets underneath like goaltenders arms quite pretty often. He finds those little gaps. that are just kind of annoying. You just kind of sit around the net. He can find those gaps pretty well. Uh, now I don't think he's going to be a top six scorer by any means. I, I, I think we're talking about a player whose ceiling reaches up to like that, that third line level maybe uh, where we're, I think if he pans out into an NHL piece, we're looking at a bottom six player, but because he also doubled down on his forechecking game and his speed, he has two things that could entrench him in NHL lineup already. Like a fast forechecker is something that every single team in the league wants and needs. Uh, having a player that is defensively responsible, but applies that pressure offensively and overall just makes really good use of the minutes that they get on the ice and really puts the work in for those minutes every team has a couple of those guys. And I think that Malatesta could become that. Now, whether the offensive talent is enough for a third line role, I'm not fully certain of just yet. I think it's a possibility for sure. Uh, Malatesta is a type of player where if I were running Columbus, I'd be kind of curious to kind of see what type of offers I could get for him in a trade market in terms of draft picks or NHL talent, just to loft his name up there because Columbus now has has a ton of really really intriguing prospects, and Malatesta has that that bumped up value from his great Memorial Cup performance and the QMJL playoff run, where I'd be kind of curious to kind of just see what the offers would be because if you can get like a second round draft pick back, I'd be pretty intrigued. But if not, you have a really fun player that could be a depth piece as soon as like a year or two from now. So I I think he's really really solid. I also think that Columbus has a fair amount of players in the system that project similarly to, to him as being those like undersized high energy bottom six potential pieces. So uh, whether or not he sticks around, I'm not fully certain of just yet, 
but he is a player that has really shown over the last two years that he is a valuable NHL prospect and whether or not he's able to fully translate that into becoming a valuable NHL player remains to be seen. But uh, the, the, the progression curve over the last year has been really, really great. So I'd be very optimistic on his case if I were a Blue Jackets fan too. Yeah. And I just feel like he, if you draft him in the fifth round, if you get an NHL oh, player yeah. out of oh that, that feels like a you win. An NHL kind of player. Pen- pencils him in as like a fourth line guy. Um, yeah. He's super annoying. Uh, he just kind of motors around on the ice. He's one of those guys that plays the game at 110%. Or oh, yeah. Nothing, um, which oh, is yeah. always really fun to watch. Uh, he's been getting a lot of penalty kill time in his preseason games as well, which is fun. Um, and I completely agree. The, the Blue Jackets could use a player like him. The The top six for the Blue Jackets is pretty set. At the minute, I'm assuming it's going to be some combination of Gaudreau, Fantilli, Line A, uh, Kent Johnson, Karel Marchenko, and either Alexander Texier or Boone Jenner, depending on how preseason ends up shaking out. But the bottom six is wide open. Malatesta hasn't been sent down to the AHL yet. He's still sticking around. Uh, so it, as of the time of recording this anyway, which is uh, October 4th the or October 3rd, I could read a calendar. Um so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he gets any NHL games to start the season. But I feel like of the of the guys we've talked about, I feel like he has the clearest path to significant NHL time this season yeah. because he's one of those players that I feel like NHL coaches are going to love because he just he works hard every single. Oh, year. he does. He really, really does. He's he's a real speedster. And unlike with the defensemen, who I think are higher-end prospects and perhaps better right now as well, like guys like Matejchuk and Svozil, there just isn't really room for them in the NHL, whereas Columbus's forward core is a lot more open than the blue line is. Right. Yeah, and there's, there's more, yeah, there's basically, I think, two open defensive spots for the Blue Jackets right now and, like, six guys to fill that, including, <laughs> like, three established NHL players, plus plus Juracek, plus Dick Blankenberg, plus maybe Denton Matejchuk at an outside push, you know? So, so we'll, we'll see. Um, the forward core, there's way more spots. Um, basically, the entire bottom six is open, in my in my opinion. So we'll uh, we'll see. Malatesta could, could surprise a lot of people, but I've been pleasantly surprised by what I've seen from Malatesta so far. So that was Sebastian and Jay Forster of Locked on Blue Jackets uh, talking about James Malatesta uh, of the Columbus Blue Jackets system. Now we'll end things off with a very interesting segment where we talk about a lot of the opening night action uh, in the NCAA, including UND uh, winning 10-0 with Jaden Perron scoring a hat-trick, uh, Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, uh, Macklin Celebrini, Lane Hudson, so much coming up after these messages here at Locked on NHL Prospects. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones when the unexpected hits. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. Uh, Jace, the Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use um, and gives you the peace of mind knowing that you don't have to worry about supply chains or having to wait you know, a week or two in order to get your antibiotics. As soon as you get sick, just go to, the, go to Jace Medical. Uh, you just fill in a form or uh, in some cases occasionally meet with one of their licensed physicians. And within a couple of days, you've got a package of uh, five life-saving antibiotics heading towards you in the mail. Um, it's a very interesting product which helps you out a lot and it's extremely simple. They handle 
handle everything from the online eval to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care if you need some additional, um, you know, kind of consultations with physicians. So don't get caught unprepared. Um, Jace Medical really offers you everything you need in, in terms of helping you out when you've got an infection. I had a sinus infection um, a couple of months back and uh, Jace Medical was really helpful in terms of getting me the online eval, getting me a sick note, uh, and especially getting me those antibiotics so I can get started on my recovery as soon as possible. Um, so you can get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Don't get caught unprepared. All right, so ending things off with our quickfire segment for the NCAA's opening night uh, kind of updates. So we'll talk about kind of what happened around the league and some prominent games that were fairly impressive. We'll start with the UND game um, against Manitoba. Obviously, it's not the best level of competition. They won 10 nothing. Just remind me what the score count was, what the shot count was at the end of the game. I believe it was 59-6. to six. Yeah, uh, 59 to 6 was the final Bad. score. UND won 10 0. Uh, and Jaden Sperron's, uh, Jane Perron scored three goals uh, for UND. And I believe that was his first game, right? That was his first official game with uh, UND. It was indeed, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Three goals, including a beauty for a second. I absolutely loved the way he oh. caught that puck, um, changed the angle of his shot within his pass reception. And then immediately fired, you know, under a stick right into the top corner. Nothing stopping that. I mean, Jaden Perron. From the high slot, too. Yeah, it was from exactly. distance. I mean, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, you know, we we know how good Jaden Perron's shot is. But I mean, what impressed you the most about that? And was there is was there any difference between, you know, what we saw from draft year Jaden Perron and what we saw in that game particularly? I think in his draft year... Uh... I was a big fan of his one-timer and the, the shooting mechanics of that, but the wrist shot I thought was more of a work in progress still. Mm-hmm. Uh, his playmaking is quite clearly his biggest offensive tool, um, but the fact that that I think the wrist shot has really progressed a fair amount now in the offseason, like that release is not something I've seen last season and has nothing to do with the shot actually even going in the net or the fact that it was against Manitoba purely just the shooting mechanics on that release were gross. Uh, the, yep. As you mentioned, the angle release, uh, the, the angle change was perfectly executed. Uh, mm-hmm. He, com- Yeah, it, it was a tremendously dynamic release that I did not really see in Jaden Perron's game too, too much last season. And if he's able to integrate that into his uh, overall toolkit game to game, you might see a, pro- a progression kind of similar to like Sean Farrell's at D plus one, where the shot just took a massive, massive step forward mm-hmm. after having been that primary playmaker for Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to uh, the Boston College game. we got a lot to cover there. Four prominent prospects. Uh, on that lineup had a very good game let's start off with Ryan, uh, with will smith and ryan leonard the the one-two punch um that was you know yeah. they, they, they also have gabe perot who was also in the same draft year also from the ntdp and all three of them form a second line on boston college that alone is very interesting but um i felt i felt like gabe perot was a bit more muted in that game i saw a lot more of kind of will smith and ryan leonard kind of leading the show um how how do those two complement each other, and how can they help each other kind of improve their game as they progress um, with uh, Boston College? Real quick. I mean, that line is kind of just the perfection line, uh, yeah. and it, it, they work tremendously well together. I think Will Smith is extremely good at creating space for his line mates to to work with and within, uh, yeah. whereas Ryan Leonard uh, will push other people out of the way, like the Red Sea, in order to create space, which is a different way than Will Smith does it. 
And uh, Ryan Leonard had a beautiful net drive in this game. He's really showing his physicality, and it's still mm-hmm. just as effective against NCAA competition as against uh, like USHL competition, uh, which is shocking. Totally mm-hmm. not expected. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> no, so Ryan Leonard's expectedly doing great, and it's a, it seems to be a very smooth transition. Uh, Will Smith, I thought, had a few more speed bumps in this game. He had a, a couple of really nice flashes. The handling was on display. The creativity was on display. But I thought that there were some plays where he was a little bit taken aback by the intensity and uh, the lack of space and time that he had, which mm-hmm. is also not the most surprising thing, considering that he had a lot of that to work with last season. And he really made use of it. So yeah. there's going to be a bit of an uh, like a, a bit of a, a transition period for him for sure, and just mm-hmm. the, the same with Gabe Perot. So th- this game to me kind of confirmed a lot of things I kind of expected of the three players going into the NCAA, uh, yeah. where R- Ryan Leonard has had the easy way of uh, adapting but the entire line still works great together obviously absolutely and uh cutter gochi scored the ot winner didn't he he did indeed like gochi is playing like a potential hobie baker candidate here i mm-hmm. i think it's going to be an interesting race this season you're going to see potentially macklin celebrini in there lane hudson uh there's going to be a lot of really skilled players contending for that award but uh cutter gochi is one of them uh he's the legitimate 1c at boston college as of right now and uh mm-hmm. i don't really see that shifting as good as will smith is uh mm-hmm. cutter goatsey is made for the ncaa game and mm-hmm. yeah he scored a great goal uh in, in ot it's just such a heavy wrist shot and uh yeah it can beat the vast majority of ncaa goaltenders absolutely and uh yeah it'll be interesting to see how he kind of develops but real quick on jacob fowler i mean he had a fantastic game and at one point just committed pure highway robbery in his first NCAA game for boston college yeah uh listen he's got a great lineup in front of him offensively defensively i got a bit more questions um but yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was a stalwart in that game at one point um he got kind of fooled by a, a uh, drive around the net uh, by one of the opposing team's players, and he passed cross grain behind his behind Fowler's back. Um, but Fowler's positioning is so solid that you know there are situations where, as a goalie, you're gonna get kind of you're gonna get fooled mentally um, by other players, and your positioning is exactly what saves you in those situations. And he was able, you know, just by pure uh, virtue of his positioning and his and his posture, his technique, and, and goal, he's already he was already set to make the save on that player. Um, who had a gaping open net, um, but Fowler just managed to react just enough on time to pull out the the arm and make the save on that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Fowler's going to have an interesting season, right? I mean, he, he's got a star-studded lineup in front of him offensively. Um, he's going to have to. He's going to be facing a lot of shots, that's for sure. But yeah, I feel like I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past Fowler to have a really, really good season, despite the lack of kind of pure high-end defensive um, defensive prospects in front of him, right? For sure. I mean, I think Fowler is going to be a really strong NCAA goaltender, but I also think that he's going to need a couple seasons to to, to slowly mature his game. I think his his results yeah. are going to be decent from the get go, but mm-hmm. the actual uh, like details in his game still need a fair amount of refining. He's still very unconventional in his style, mm-hmm. and I think part of that is actually quite beneficial to his game, where it can be tough for opposing forwards to read him because mm-hmm. he's not like many other goaltenders. But uh, on the other hand, there are certain quirks in this game that are a bit inefficient. But mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's, he's really intelligent and he has a really solid foundation, which is really all you need to, to see NCAA success if you are at the level of Jacob Fowler heading into 100%. your NCAA career. 
For sure. Um, and ending things off, let's talk real quick about uh, the Boston University game. Macklin Celebrini had a great showing, scored a first for a goal in his first uh, in his first game of yeah. uh, his NCAA career as a draft year player. Are we talking a point per game or more for celebrating this season? Well, I would I would probably say more, uh, just by virtue of, of playing with guys like Lane Hudson and uh, even Tom Volander, I think is going to take a step offensively this season. So you you can get support on the, from the back end, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the forward core is decent there as well. So I think that that, that he'll be just fine. Um, but yeah, it was a great it was a great first goal too. It was a classic Celebrini goal. He mm-hmm. he sprinted right up the middle of the ice. Nice little shoulder fake, got the goalie to bite one way, he went the other, and then just mm-hmm. patiently waited uh, to f- for an opening to be created between the post and the goalie's pad, and then just slipped yeah. right by there. Just like the, his patience with the puck is is a massive strength of his, and mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons that he's going to be a high-end contender for that first overall slot in 2024. Absolutely. And Hudson was paired with Case McCarthy in that game, and Hudson played 36 minutes. 36 minutes. Uh, I think he was that... tired by the end. <laughs> Perhaps. He still had enough energy to score the overtime winner. Uh, and it was a beauty, yeah. fantastic shot. Um, got the puck at the at the blue line, kind of closed in on, on the high slot, changed the angle of his shot laterally, and just fooled the goaltender yeah. with a, a perfect off-balance wrister in the top corner. I mean, Lane Hudson, like is he was a Hobie Baker kind of candidate um, last season in his draft plus one. Yeah what's how can he improve from that like how how do, how do you get better from that right like it's i mean he, he's already showing it like he, yeah. he on the one hand he already looks noticeably not small on the ice mm-hmm. like he looks like like sure a, a bit undersized for a defenseman but he does not catch your eye immediately as he steps on the ice for being tiny which yeah. was very much the case in his draft year and uh, the fact that he's still refining aspects of his game that were already strengths, like the fact that like, his shot took a massive step from his draft year season to his D plus one year last year. And from this angle change release, I think it's also taking a jump in the last couple months. Like that was not a release that I really saw from him too often last year. Like last year he integrated uh, like really moving up into that high slot, patiently waiting for an opening to be created uh, and, 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 being composed in possession uh, and and taking a shot like more frequently shooting from that's the slot, but mm-hmm. I didn't see him like changing the angle right before releasing the puck, and it was a perfect shot. Like he yeah. could not have have, have uh, yeah, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Like no notes basically, and uh, he is continually refining his offensive game. Obviously, hopefully, his skating continues to 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 improve as the season goes on. But yeah, Lane Hudson's going to be a very, very good player, and he's going to be one of the best in the NCAA this year. Absolutely. Uh, fun fact, uh, by the way, Lane Hudson has played forty college game, uh, forty college games. He has five game-winning goals. So uh, yeah, very interesting. Uh, but that wraps things up for today's episode. Thank, thank you very much for tuning in. If you've liked what you've been watching and you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. They've got all your updates and news about what's going on in sports. And make sure to tune in for our next episode as we continue some Blue Jackets talk, including Adam Fantilli getting lit up by TJ Oshie. Uh, all that's coming up tomorrow. Make sure to tune in. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian Hobbs. And we hope you tune in next time.